everyone, and welcome to the Friday, December 1st, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, voter fraud in Iowa, more big endorsements in the caucuses, and Trump versus Reynolds gets taken up a notch. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. With me this week are the full roster, including Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Hello, Tom. Hello, Aaron. Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough is here. Hello, Caleb. Good afternoon, Aaron. We have Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Aaron. And Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Greetings, Jared. I could have been someone. Well, so could anyone. Ooh, I don't recognize that one. All right, we'll circle back to that. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman is here. Hello, Todd. Hello, and I, I just want to share some personal news. Morning consult polling has determined I am the least popular podcaster in the United States. So I have a list of people to thank, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> I thought you were going to say columnist. But... Well, they don't poll columnists or else I'd yeah. be, you know, I'd yeah. be right up there too. <laughs> they I, do I have podcasters. A, I have a feeling. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, before we jump into everything, one thing uh, that you may, if you listen to this and uh, would have otherwise wondered why we didn't talk about it, um, one of the big stories of the week is uh, two different lawsuits were brought to the uh, new state law that has to do with uh, restrictions on um, books in, in schools, the the removal, the required removal of any books that have descriptions of sexual acts, and the, and, and the sweeping law also includes things like teaching gender ideology and, and gender identity, um, a whole host of other things. Um, we're not going to get um, into any kind of real discussion on that because this uh, it's it's a, obviously a legal issue now. It's in the courts, and and uh, we don't have any attorneys on the podcast <laughs> here. Um, uh, but it's definitely a story worth following, and that we're obviously following. So make sure you check out our our, our coverage of that this week. Uh, separate lawsuits filed. Um, this week, uh, taking kind of different approaches with different plaintiffs, but both regarding that um, state law. So that's obviously a, a big deal, uh, just not one we're going uh, to um, necessarily dive into the legal weeds here uh, on the podcast. We'll, uh, we'll just let our reporting do the work there. Um, and also just wanted to hope, say we hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving, uh, enjoyed the week off. It's good to be back with you, our loyal listeners. Um, and because of that, we have a lot to talk about uh, um, this week on the caucus campaign trail. Uh, but before we get there, we need to also take a trip to Western Iowa for a very interesting story about election fraud. And this is actual real life election fraud, not the kind we uh, hear all too often about on this beat. Uh, so Jared, uh, the Sioux City Journal uh, covered this story. Um, I, I'll, I'll just let you take it to here. Tell us all about it. Well, uh, first, uh, shout out to uh, Nick Hittrick for his coverage and uh, Caitlin Yamada for her coverage as well. Um, so last Tuesday, the uh, 21st, um, a federal jury in Sioux City found uh, Kim Taylor, the wife of Republican County Supervisor Jeremy Taylor, uh, guilty on 52 counts of voter fraud. Um, 26 of those were for providing false information and in registration and voting. Three of the counts were for fraudulent registration um, and 23 counts were for fraudulent voting. Um, and over the, the course of the uh, trial, the government prosecutors in the case um, laid out that in the 2020 primary and then in the 2020 general election, uh, Kim Taylor, who was originally from Vietnam, 
uh, got in touch with a number of Vietnamese voters um, in Sioux City um, who had very limited English comprehension, and she filled out and signed electronic forms and ballots on their behalf um, of them and their English-speaking children. Um, and the prosecutor said that the intention was to get votes for her husband, Jeremy Taylor, who in the um, earlier part of 2020 made an unsuccessful run for the uh, GOP's fourth congressional district primary. That was one that Randy Feenstra ended up defeating Steve King in. Um, and then in the fall, Jeremy Taylor ended up winning re-election to the Woodbury County Board. Um, so far, he's been named an unindicted um, co-conspirator in the case and hasn't actually been charged yet. Um, and Kim Taylor faces up to five years in prison on each of the charges. And again, there's 52 of them total. Um, in the course of the case, prosecutors said that uh, the voter fraud that was committed was on a scale that they had rarely ever seen before. Um, so always good when you have uh, federal prosecutors saying uh, it's something that they've very rarely seen on a scale they've very rarely seen. Um, yeah, and as for what else might be coming for, for Jeremy Taylor uh, this week, Tuesday the 28th, he said at a uh, county supervisor's meeting that he wouldn't resign from his seat, uh, which is up in the fall of 2024. Um, that's despite the fact that three of the five board members have now called on him to resign. And um, previously, he actually had to resign from the board in 2020 after a uh, local voter challenged his district residency. So he got bounced from the board uh, once before for a totally different issue. And that's, as, as I listen to that, what's, what's, and first of all, if you haven't read this story yet, get yourself to the Sioux City Journal website and, and check out these stories. It, it, it's an amazing uh, tale. Um, what, what didn't, I don't know that clicked with me until I just heard you describing it, Jared, is, so this um, action occurred during the 2020 congressional primary. Mm -hmm. That wasn't particularly close when it comes to Jeremy Ongs. I mean, he was nowhere. No, he was Randy he, and, he was distant behind those two. Yeah. So that's that's kind of amazing about all this too. Like to, all this trouble to get 23 votes in, in in a race where you were behind by literally thousands. Um, man and. Something um, I've seen folks pointing out since um, our stories have come out um, is that this level of voter fraud was caught and was punished, which makes it quite difficult to imagine voter fraud in the millions just completely going unobserved. We um, preach Brother Jared, preach Brother Jared. Um, yeah, I, um, amazing stuff and, and, and a great job, of, like I said, by the Journal of Covering that uh uh, story uh, definitely check, check check it out and and, and Jared uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask it'll be interesting to see what happens now moving forward um, with thumbs in the county soup I mean do you have a sense is it a kind of a crystal ball question please uh, punt on it if you want I mean do you have a sense of where this is going for him is he kind of defiant in this, in this? I don't want to make it apples to apples necessarily I'm not comparing what they did but is, is he going to George Santos this thing and and, and stick it out well, I mean, you know, like I mentioned, he had to resign from the board before and then got back onto the board. So at least based on past precedent, it seems like he intends to stick around until his term is done. Whether or not he um, goes all the way through with the reelection campaign might be a different matter. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, we'll obviously watch that and, and keep you all covered. All right. 
Um, moving on now to the caucuses. Uh, we have more endorsements to talk about this week, our favorite topic. Um, and uh, and again, we haven't had a, had a chance yet to talk about this one because it happened uh, shortly after we taped our most recent episode uh, of the podcast, which was a couple of weeks ago. Um, and this time it was Bob Vanderplatz, the family leader, endorsing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for president in the caucuses. Um, the endorsement really didn't surprise anyone who watches this stuff uh, closely, but it is official now. So, Tom, uh, I'm going to ask our favorite question here yet again. Um, but let me let me try and come at it from a slightly different angle to, to make a, 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 the possibility of a little more interesting answer than just no again. Um, so I won't simply ask, does Bob Vanderplatz endorsement help Ron DeSantis in the Iowa caucuses? Let me ask this instead. Vanderplatz's endorsement comes shortly after Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds also endorsed DeSantis. And those are, as far as endorsement goes, those are big ones in the back, kind of back to back here in the last few weeks, last month or so. Do those endorsements collectively, Tom, give DeSantis a better shot at shoring up that quote unquote anyone but Trump lane in Iowa? Or is the answer still endorsements don't matter? Uh, so, Bob Vanderplatz uh, has said that uh, he wouldn't have endorsed and doesn't think that Governor Reynolds would have endorsed um, Ron DeSantis if they didn't see an avenue for him to win the state of Iowa. Um, that being said, um, Aaron, I'm going to uh, steal a quote uh, from you. Um, I think at one point in our conversations about this, you had said, look, Jesus Christ could endorse another candidate uh, in this race, and that's not going to sway Trump supporters. Right. right. Um, and, 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 and I mean, it, you know, that also holds up with, um, you know, uh, political analyst uh, Charlie Cook. He was at Drake University. Um Last week? No, earlier this, this week. This week, yeah, this week. This yeah. week, sorry. Um, and, you know, essentially said something along the, the same lines of, you know, there's been some rallying behind Trump alternatives um, among influential Republicans in early states, again, including uh, Bob Vanderplatz of the family leader and Iowa Governor uh, Kim Reynolds. Um, but at the same time, you know, Trump supporters, they're all in, you know, and if they're not showing up uh, to, to the caucus, it means they're either dead or not ambulatory. Um, you know, again, they're committed. And the Republicans that aren't of, um, you know, the, the, the Trump variety, some of them are riled up, but a lot of them are more just kind of pulled back and, and maybe not as engaged um, as Trump supporters are. Um, I mean, those who are supporting Trump, um, you know, are um, well. Let's just be honest. You know, they're 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 fanatical about him, right? So I don't see um, either Bob Vanderplatt's endorsement or Governor Reynolds' endorsement doing anything, you know, to sway those Trump supporters. Um, now that being said, and I think I've said this on a on a prior podcast, potentially what these endorsements could do. Um, is it could be um, or sent a signal to those Iowa Republican, likely Iowa Republican caucus goers who remain on the fence um, to sway them one way or the other, either to um, uh, DeSantis or to, to Nikki Haley. Um, and, you know, I've said this before, I think on the podcast, you know, you go out to these campaign events, you go to 
um, these uh, Iowa Republican Party events. And, you know, there's a sizable number of likely Iowa Republican caucus goers who say that they're still making up their mind. Um, and, and we've seen that in, in prior caucus cycles. You know, you look at um, uh, uh, 20, what was it? I can't remember the, the caucus cycles, but the one with with um, uh, Huckabee and Ted Cruz, both Huckabee and, and Cruz, um, you know, support for them broke late. Um, and, and Iowa voters, uh, Iowa caucus goers, you know, are going to take their time and, you know, they're going to be methodical in evaluating these these candidates and they're going to wait to see if one of these candidates can have kind of a late breakout standout moment. Um, and, and they're going to be, you know, waiting up until caucus day to, to make up their mind. Um, but again, the problem is um, those supporters of Trump um, are, are, are not swayable. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's and that's a large segment of, <clears throat> of, of the base of the political party um, that is behind Trump. And, you know, again, you look at the polling, you know, in, in Iowa and national polling, he's ahead by double digits. That's a sizable gap for a candidate to have to close. And again, I don't know that endorsements by um, by, by Governor Reynolds or, or by by Bob Vanderplatz. I don't know that that's going to be enough to to help them close that gap. Um, you know, it could, it could, you know, help them, you know, you know, a, a couple of points, you know, maybe three or four points and, you know, get, get closer to, um, to solidifying themselves as, you know, that, that second place person. But I, I just don't know how much that's going to help them, you know, make up that ground. Yep. Um, so for the bookkeeping, Huckabee was 08 and Ted Cruz was Thank you. 2016. <laughs> and to your point, and I, I as you said that, uh, Tom, uh, I'm flashing back to a story that I read this week from um, Ben Jacobs, um, who's um, a national reporter, but um, is one of the few that I um, will refer to because he's been to Iowa a number of times in previous cycles. He's on a short list of national reporters that I I, I I will pay close attention to their reporting because they've been here and done the legwork uh, here. Um, and um, he wrote this week uh, a piece um, that closed with the line, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley have partisans. Donald Trump has fans. And that speaks right. to, to, to what you're what you're getting at there, Tom. Right. And, and, and the other thing, you know, Trump supporters are not, you know, eyeing another candidate. Right. right. Again, they're all in for Trump. Whereas with um, Haley uh, and, um, and and DeSantis supporters, you know, uh, among that group, you know, you have some people who, you know, while Trump is is not going to be, you know, their preferred candidate, their preferred nominee, you know, they're they're open to an alternative. At the same time, you know, plenty of of DeSantis and Haley supporters I've talked to have said, you know, look, if 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 Trump gets the nomination or it looks like um, he's got a lock on the primary race, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll support him. We've supported him in the past. You know, we've don't necessarily believe that, you know, he's the best candidate for the party to put forward right now. Um, you know, he was he was the right person at the right time back in, in 2016. And uh, we support his policies. We believe he did good things in the administration, but now just has too much baggage. But at the same time, if Haley and DeSantis can't really make a go at it of, of challenging Trump, you know, they said that um, they have no qualms about supporting him again. One thing that um, really piqued my curiosity with this was when um, 
Bob Vanderplath was pushing back against um, Trump's attacks. He said that they were instances of um, character being revealed because Trump was throwing people under the bus and calling them names. And of course, neither of those are new for (laughs) former President Trump. That's a part of his brand. It's just that the brand hasn't been turned against these particular folks so intently before now. Right. Um, Yeah. um, Boy, I I missed that comment, um, Jared. So thanks for flagging that one. Um, That was uh, uh, with the blaze. uh, Okay. Yeah. Because, boy, let me take you back to 2015. (laughs) And then basically every day between 2015 and 2021. Um, Yeah, that's exactly right, Jared. But it it, it wasn't... um, a matter of whether that's been happening. It's a matter of the targets all of a sudden. The targets have changed, and and that's why all of a sudden that that matters. Boy, all right. <laughs> um, one person who did not like the Vanderplatz endorsement was former President Trump, um, who also was not a huge fan of Reynolds endorsing DeSantis, obviously. Um, and again, this is a little older at this point because it happened in this uh, last two-week window since last we cast our pod. Uh, but Trump uh, recorded a video in which he was very critical of Reynolds, even pointing out, and this is why we got the little joke from Todd at the top, that Reynolds has the highest unfavorable rating among all U.S. governors. And it is probably fair to point out here that it, it is true that Reynolds' unfavorable rating in morning consults quarterly porting, quarterly polling is indeed the worst of all governors in the country. However, she is still a above water, uh, believe it or not, with a higher favorability rating in Iowa. And I should have looked this up. So for, forgive me, it's it's something like 5147, 5149, uh, something something in that ballpark. But most, I digress. Sorry. Most recent from November, because they just put out um, results actually after Trump said that. And that was oh. actually four. That's 4848. So Oh, there you go. That's interesting. So that's a that's a dip from the from the from the previous ones when he had said that so so she's uh treading water right now at 4848 interesting um okay uh todd this this trump versus reynolds thing just keeps going up more and more notches Uh, i'm curious to hear what you think what does this ultimately look like next year if trump is the republican candidate for president which again as we've been talking about at this point he's the heavy favorite to be what 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 does next you know, March through November look like in Iowa if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee for president. Well, yeah, it's 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 going to be awkward. There are going to be some awkward moments. I can imagine them, you know, running into each other at the Republican National Convention. I mean, what do they do? Do they avoid each other? Do they make some small talk? Does does the former president read her the riot act? And well, and uh, what I'm wondering is, what does Kim Reynolds do? I mean, she is she going to turn around and? Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, she doesn't have to a whole lot of this, no matter what happens here, that it's if it's Trump, that I was incredibly likely to go for Trump again. But, you know, does she campaign for him after everything that's happened here? Or does she just stay out of it altogether? What do you think? Well, I, you know, I think she's I mean, all of these Republicans that have endorsed uh, DeSantis, if, if Trump wins the nomination, they'll all you know, become Trump supporters. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's what they did in 16. Many of them supported other candidates. Sure. And when it came time to, you know, to the convention and, and putting, putting yourself behind his candidacy, they all, they all did. And then grabbed onto the Trump train pretty tightly for the next four years and, and beyond. So I would expect them to try. You, 
you know, you may not see Donald Trump in Iowa all that much. He, no. he, he probably can win the state regardless of what's going on. And uh, he doesn't, you know, he probably doesn't want to, he's probably not going to come and, you know, campaign for anyone who, who endorsed Ron DeSantis. Of course, you know, Kim Reynolds isn't up for reelection until right. 2000. And, and I guess I should, sorry for interrupting. I guess I should campaign was a, was a bad word because you're right. that There's not going to be a need for Republicans to campaign for president in Iowa next year. Maybe advocate is the right word because there's not a press conference that goes by whether it's a, a campaign related one or even an official state house business one where governor Reynolds doesn't love to, to take some shots at the Biden administration. So if it's, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump next year. Does does she still do that? You know, does she still advocate for Donald Trump to beat Joe Biden um, after the way things have played out in, in the last month or two and how it's going to continue for the next month or two? Well, she's she's, of course, going to continue to heavily criticize Biden because they're going to feel like that's good for their Republican candidates here, their congressional candidates and yeah. and all of those things. They'll just continue to beat that drum but yeah you know how much they mention trump that you know that they may the governor may not so much because every time she mentions trump people are going to say well you you endorsed desantis so she may try to de-emphasize that over time but uh i mean it, it was a it was a gamble to do what she did which i guess she felt like she could help desantis you know gain the momentum he needed but we haven't seen any evidence of that and uh, Bob Vanderplatz thought the same way, although I understood his endorsement more than hers. I, I mean, going back to the 16th convention when we were in uh, Cleveland, I mean, it was clear at that convention that Bob Vanderplatz was not entirely comfortable with supporting Donald Trump. In fact, I think he withheld his support for a while. And uh, but so. So that made some sense to me. And it made some sense because as an evangelical Christian leader, I mean, you can, you can, it's not hard to find uh, aspects of, of Trump's career and presidency that you might feel uneasy about. I mean, you got your judges now, so uh, why, why, you know, keep, uh, keep supporting a guy like this. So, but Reynolds was a little bit surprising because she, she clung pretty tightly to him for the whole time and was very pro-Trump and accepted his endorsements. And and uh, obviously she likes Ron DeSantis and likes the fact that they're like, you know, policy buddies. But uh, yeah, I I don't, it, there's going to be some consequences for it. It's just a matter of, you know, Trump saying that this second term or they're talking about Trump's second term as being like a vengeance tour. So maybe maybe Des Moines will be one one of the stops. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's what I was going to point out um, is, you know, if Trump does become president again, what's that relationship like between the governor of Iowa and the president of the U.S.? Right. Um, and I mean, Trump is definitely not one to uh, let old grudges uh, die, but I let mean, bygones be bygones, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> but so it'd be it'd be definitely interesting to see um, you know, how that relationship plays out. Without a doubt, I, you stole my great mind, Caleb. <laughs> I was going to ask that, it's, and it's not just next year. What if he wins, and what are those next four years like? Uh, he he will not come to Iowa after a derecho and toss paper towels to people. <laughs> I just don't think that's that's going to happen. So you'll have to get your paper towels on your own, Iowans. <laughs> you know and the 
did he do that from the airport? Uh, the the one derecho stop he made, where he never made it off the airport grounds, right? Is am I uh, correct about that? Yeah, it was. Uh, he had like a round table where that's it, right. Where it, you know, based on his questions, it didn't seem like he was listening to what any of the <laughs> answers were. So it was like all those kind of things with with Trump. It's like when he called. Uh, then congressman um oh it was before twinkenauer and henson blum rod blum. blum he called rod blum by the wrong name at, at, a, at a round table like that and i don't think he he didn't sweat the details before we came to cedar rapids let's just put it that way was it cedar rapids or was it cedar falls Todd? cedar rapids at the, <laughs> the eastern Iowa. oh yeah yeah it was grand rapids actually i think it was we ran all over the place oh man <laughs> fantastic <laughs> wasn't that one of those old snickers commercials where uh um feeling hungry grab a snickers where the the rock band said good night and then the wrong city name uh, i'm that that one's flashing back yeah absolutely <laughs> it happens uh too many too many uh uh repeat, repeated uh names in iowa um sarah you covered one of those early events that uh DeSantis and Reynolds had uh, together after that announcement was endorsed. Uh, what did you hear or sense anything in the building that day in the room that suggested these uh, kinds of things are are helping build any momentum for DeSantis? That's a good question because um, Davenport was like the first stop after Des Moines yeah. where he uh, she campaigned with him, and certainly there was a lot of like cheering for Reynolds and she walked around the room and shook everybody's hands and everybody was really excited to see her. Um, and the people I talked with really had high praise for Kim Reynolds and said, oh, she's just a great governor. She's doing so great. But um, the few people that I did talk to, um, they either were already supporting DeSantis before Kim Reynolds made the endorsement or um, uh, one gentleman that I talked with, he had actually driven from Waukee because he had like missed seeing him in Des Moines. And, um, and he said, he's, he told me, he's like, I'll, I'll vote for any one of them except Chris Christie. So, um, so it seemed to me like it was one of those, uh, like marketing type deals where, you know, okay, you put somebody who has, who has very high favorability among Iowa Republicans next to this presidential candidate. And if people start associating them together positively um, that can help uh, at least DeSantis in the eyes of people who don't want to support Trump. Um, if that just a uh, kind of intangible positive feeling might be associated um, with DeSantis and also like shore up any potential defectors to Nikki Haley. I remember there's one lawmaker um in the in scott county who was an early desantis endorser who then endorsed vivek ramaswamy and so you know if there's any potential if there's any lawmakers or people who support announce their support for desantis early and then oh maybe i want to change my mind um this you know endorsement might help keep some of those um those other endorsers as like a signal of like oh you know, somebody at the top is also supporting this guy. So it provides a little like shoring up some of those supporters. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting. I get everybody's, I'm sure you guys do too, everybody's campaign emails and uh, Ron DeSantis's really went from attacking Trump to attacking Nikki Haley in the last like right, right. 
month or two. So absolutely. Yep. 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 Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that speaks to, I mean, that's if, if someone, if any, if either one of them, um, I, I would say anyone, but it's pretty obvious at this point, it's either going to be Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis. If anyone is going to um, come out of Iowa posing a, a legitimate threat to Donald Trump, it's going to have to be one or the other of those. There, there's not enough um, people in the room to split that vote between those two and and come out of it saying either you know that the, they're they're a, a, a mounting threat to trump one of those two is gonna have to take the reins so so for the first time i will say in this cycle i get the punching at fellow candidates versus uh, punching at donald trump i didn't for the longest time and i still i'll stand by that going back through the summer but but i do get it now um all right and uh, speaking of haley there's one more endorsement to talk about this week um, it's an addiction that I have. I tell you, I, I, I just can't fight it. Um, the Koch brothers organization announced this week that it's throwing its support and more importantly, it's resources behind Nikki Haley. Um, so Caleb, it's not necessarily the endorsement that matters here. So this is a slightly different discussion. It's the money and, and the support and, and, and the Koch organization obviously is, is a, is a significant one in conservative politics. Haley has been climbing a little bit in the polls. Um, does having all of a sudden this kind of support behind your campaign, can this help Nikki Haley accelerate that climb, especially obviously here in Iowa? Yeah, I think so. And and I think it really helps her, as you said, tap into millions of dollars in funding that can help her um, accelerate a national campaign against Trump. I think it really is more of a national uh, effect. I mean, if you're looking at the Iowa caucuses, it, it could, uh, you know, um, help her put some more money into the state, but Haley has um, really kind of been splitting her resources between the three early states um, mm -hmm. more so than like DeSantis' strategy of really focusing on Iowa. Um, so it could allow her to put some more money here. And and we did see her put out a, her newest uh, TV ad uh, or her campaign um, this week. So that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, I think the, um, the most useful, uh, I guess, scenario for this endorsement is, you know, if we get to Super Tuesday and Haley has really pulled away from DeSantis after these few early states um, as as far as, you know, being considered or being, you know, appearing as the most um, the most viable Trump alternative. You know, this will help her really organize a more serious national campaign and, and whether that could, um, uh, you know, be effective enough to, to take on Trump. Who knows? But but it will help for her national uh, for her national primary campaign for sure. That's a really good point. Uh, sorry, Jade. I'll, I'll get to you. That I know you're just about to say something. That's a really good point about the, her her multi state strategy a little more so than some of the other candidates, um, Caleb. And, and and again, maybe is why something like this could help because when you're doing that, the the the, the uh, opposite effect of that is you don't have as many resources in Iowa as you other wise might and and i think it's saying and i'm just speaking anecdotally here so someone jump in and and say if they've seen something different but but it, it seems to me that like ron DeSantis's campaign operation in iowa is bigger than nikki haley's here is that, is that fair to say gang would anybody disagree with that based on what they've seen yeah yeah so and again this is anecdotally this is not scientific um but so maybe with something like this you can bolt that up without sacrificing your multi-state uh, approach. Jared, go ahead. You were going to say something. Yeah, uh, that is definitely a thing that could be a big boost. And another thing I think that can be a boost beyond the money or even the organizing 
is this could be something that really maybe starts to push some other people out of the uh, out of the race because you don't really want to keep running against uh, the Koch brothers organization. If you want to run in future cycles, if you don't uh, <laughs> win this time around, because that's obviously some folks that you would like to court uh, in the future. So why continue to pick a prolonged fight with them this go around if you don't have to? Yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, we, we talk so much about the race for second uh, here in Iowa and uh, it, it, we, it's, it's easy to, forget that there's still some um, whittling of the field uh, happening at, at the bottom and, and a few candidates that are still around that um, just aren't showing up in, in polling and, and seeing how long that that's going to continue to be the case. All right. I think that does it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. Another good one, good discussion, and we'll uh, see you next week. Um, if you're not already, please subscribe us to wherever you find your podcast. And you can also catch us each week on your preferred Gazette or Lee newspaper website. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. Lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Mason City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs, Daily Nonpareil, and Sioux City Journal. Austin Taft will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom Barton, Caleb McCullough, Sarah Watson, Jared McGinnett, Todd McDormand. Todd McDormand, did I just say? <laughs> Come stop by my restaurant, McDormand's. It's, uh, it's not a knockoff of McDonald's at all. <laughs> outstanding oh, for crying out loud Todd Dorman and our producer Stephen McColbert I'm Aaron Murphy <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> oh man that's beautiful a stowaway when life refuses to cooperate I balance the equilibrium and attempt to gain an understanding of my current situation this frustration continues to
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.